Genesis chapter 22. Now, in some of your worship folders, it says this is a New Testament lesson. In others, it says Old Testament lesson. We caught that mistake in the middle of the run of the worship folders. (laughs) So if you got one that says New Testament lesson, rest assured, Dean and I at least know that Genesis is in the Old Testament. (laughs) Genesis chapter 22. Give your reverent attention to this God's holy word for us today. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. May God bless this, his word, to us. Let us pray. 
Father, thank you for your word, your active, living word. We subject ourselves to it now. We submit to it. Help us by your spirit to learn and to obey. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. God knew what he was asking Abraham to do. This was Isaac, the one through whom God was supposed to fulfill his promise to Abraham that his offspring would be as numerous as the stars in the sky or the grains of sand on the seashore. This was Isaac, whose very name in Hebrew, Yishak, means something like his parents' delight. This is Isaac. This was the son whom God wanted Abraham to sacrifice. Why would God ask such a thing? Verse 1 makes it clear that God's command was a test, a very severe test, but still only a test. God tested Abraham, it says. And the nature of that test is set out in verse 2. God puts his finger on the most precious thing that Abraham has. And he asks Abraham, Abraham, how far does your faith extend? What are the limits of your commitment? What are you willing to give me? Is there anything you would withhold from me? How about your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love? May I have him? Abraham and Sarah had waited 25 years or more for an heir, and and God had finally blessed them with Isaac. But it's more than the long wait in view here. It's that Isaac is the evidence of God's promise to Abraham and Sarah. God had promised them that he would make of them a great nation, and that one day all the nations of the earth would be blessed through him. And it's a promise that God had made to him by this time, at least five times. And it's a promise that can only be fulfilled through Isaac, Abraham's only son. There's no doubt that Isaac meant everything to Abraham. And so not only Abraham's son, whom he loved, but his future, every hope that he had, was at stake here. Have you ever noticed that this story does not record Abraham's yes. There's no answer here. It's only a description of his obedient action. Now, I don't think Abraham was completely at peace about God's command. How could he have been? Think of the turmoil in his heart as they made that three-day journey to the land of Moriah. He had held Isaac in his arms He had loved him. He had watched him grow. He had felt all the joy and pride that a father feels in his son. Isaac was the thing closest to his heart. And now God wanted him. So this story, God's word for us today, is fundamentally about what we are willing to let God have. The singer and songwriter Keith Green wrestled with similar issues. In the biography of Keith Green written by his widow, Melody, she tells of one struggle that Keith Green had. 
when he was on the road alone for a few days, he, he wrote a prayer to the Lord. He said, I only pray, Lord, that you will let me keep my wife, Melody, for I need her love and her help, though your grace is sufficient for me. But please spare her to stay with me. I will give you far more love than I give her, and all my love for her is for you, Jesus. Take anything, but leave Melody. Please, God, but I'm willing to suffer all loss if it is your will. And Melody continued in that biography. Keith returned home thoughtful. Would a tragedy cause him to lose his faith if he wasn't willing to lay even the deepest loves of his life before God? What did it say about the roots of his faith? And she wrote, when, when Keith told me what was bothering him, he said firmly, I've decided that whatever it takes to get deeper with the Lord, I'm going to do, even if that means praying and saying, Lord, Melody really is yours. That's where God wants us all to be. To be willing to take that thing most precious to us and lay it on the altar. He wants that. There's what might be called a divine selfishness evident here. God being God has a rightful claim on everything we are and everything we have. He always wants the best for himself. He's not content with just anything. It's got to be the first and the best. And when centuries after Abraham, God revealed the sacrificial law, just any animal wouldn't do, you recall. It had to be the best of the flock, the, the one without blemish. He did not want the crippled or the diseased or the runts of the flock. He wants the first and the best. He wanted Isaac. What a test he put to Abraham. I'm glad that God does not test me so severely. What is it that you would withhold from God? Could he ask you to place anything you have on the altar? That's exactly what he's doing, you know. Would you have obeyed as Abraham did? I, I know I would not have. I hope you don't think less of me for saying that. I hope my job is not in jeopardy because I admit that I would not have. I would have said, God, you can have anything, but not my son. He's mine. You won't have him. I don't know how Abraham could have stood it when Isaac asked innocently, Father, look, we've got the fire and we've got the, the wood, but where's the lamb for our sacrifice? And then for Abraham to, to build an altar and arrange the wood and tie Isaac to it and actually to take the knife in hand to kill him. Thank God. He doesn't test my faith or your faith that severely. But he's constantly testing our faith, and every day, in hundreds of ways, we're giving our answer. God tested Abraham. And what was Abraham's answer? Obedience. As soon as he heard God's word without a recorded murmur, he got ready and he set out on the journey to Moriah. And apparently at no point in that three-day journey did he waver from his task. 
Not when they left the servants, not when Isaac poignantly asked him about the sacrifice, not when he built the altar and piled wood upon it, not even when he tied Isaac down to it, not even when he picked up the knife, right up until the moment when the angel of the Lord intervened to stop him. He did not question or murmur. Wouldn't you have argued with God? I would have given God an earful or two. I would have railed at God. I would have tried to reason him out of it. I would have just flatly refused. I would have said, Lord, that doesn't make any sense. Surely you wouldn't ask me to do that. God tests our faith. God is always measuring the depth of our commitment every day in hundreds of ways. He asks us, how far does your faith extend? What are the limits of your commitment? What are you willing to give me? Is there anything you would hold back? We can easily sing, and we have, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. But it's harder to sing, isn't it? No holding back. No holding back. There's a clue in this story that points to what's going on in the mind of Abraham. In verse 5, he says to the servants, we, that is Abraham and Isaac, will worship and then we will return to you. I believe that Abraham had such faith that he trusted that God would provide a way out of this dilemma. Abraham knew that God had provided Abraham to him in his old age and had promised a nation of descendants through Isaac and Abraham trusted that God would not let him down now. We have some insight into this in Hebrews chapter 11 in that record of the champions of faith. There verses 17 through 19 say, by faith Abraham when God tested him offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. So we have this insight into Abraham's thoughts. He, he reasoned that God could raise the dead. On the one hand, Abraham knew and trusted God's word to him completely, that his offspring through Isaac would become a great nation, that through him all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And on the other hand, he also knew that, that God had called him to sacrifice Isaac, and he could not disobey. And therefore, he must have concluded God can raise the dead. He could see no way forward, no way out, but, but he knew that nothing is impossible with God. Abraham was prepared not to withhold Isaac from God, but to put him in God's hands because he knew and trusted God's word to him. The text says that Abraham named the place where this happened Jehovah Jireh, or Yahweh Yirah. It's usually translated, the Lord will provide. Hebrew scholars among us don't uh, question my pronunciation. 
the Lord will provide. The word provide has its roots in the Hebrew word for seeing. Seeing in the sense of seeing to it. We still use the word see in that sense. If I say that I will see to something, I mean that I will take care of all the details. I'll see to it. I'll make sure that it happens. Abraham named this spot in the land of Moriah, the Lord will see to it because he trusted God with the details. God saw to the details. He obeyed and he left the details to God. God asks us to do something and all we can see are obstacles and problems, a hundred different reasons why that doesn't make sense or why it won't work. But God asks for our obedience just the same. If we have faith, we'll see beyond the problems and the obstacles and we'll trust that God will see to it, that God will work things out. Perhaps God has given you some money and has called you to give that money away, but you're still withholding it from him because you can't see how the budget is going to balance if you give it away. Perhaps God is calling you to give your security to him, maybe to change direction drastically in your life, maybe to go to Africa. But you're withholding it from him because you can't see how the future will work out. Perhaps God is calling you to give your pride to him. Maybe to humble yourself and mend a broken relationship. But you are withholding it from him, unable to believe that it can be mended, too proud to try. God challenges us and calls us to act, to live out faith that God will see to the details. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Prove yourself to God by your obedience, and he will prove himself to you. He will see to it. God asks, what about that thing right there at the center of your living, that thing closest to your heart? May I have that? Will you trust me with that? Is there anything you would withhold from me? Abraham was asked, as we are, do you really believe that God is enough? Really, that that God will see to it? Abraham believed God. Believed that God would be in the details and show himself to be perfectly adequate, completely sufficient. We are asked, is God enough? Let us make the celebration of the Lord's Supper this morning a celebration of God's surpassing adequacy. We cannot comprehend with our finite minds how God brings life for all who trust him through the death of his son, but he does. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loves us and gave his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Worthy, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive honor and glory.
and blessing. You are invited to come to one of the tables where communion elements have been set this morning. You might come individually or as couples or as families or just a group of friends or just with whoever happens to be seated next to you uh, this morning. But come, celebrate Jesus' death for us. Proclaim, make known, celebrate God's surpassing adequacy. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. Spend some time reflecting, and then come to one of the tables and be served. Let us worship the Lord in this observance of the Lord's Supper. Thank you.